All right, let's get into our word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is alive and it's active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's here to edify, to strengthen, to build us up in this season, in this time. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are the teacher and the revealer of your word, and we thank you so much that you came to reveal Jesus to us in a greater way, and we expect that this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for answers. We thank you for insight into specific situations. Wherever we may be, whatever may be going on in our life, Father, we thank you that you have a word and you're here to show and reveal to us seasons and steps in Jesus' name. Amen. And what I love about the Holy Spirit living inside of us is, anybody ever seen like cartoons and every once in a while when a cartoon character is kind of confused as to what happens, a little bubble pops up with a question mark in it? I'm so glad the Holy Ghost is really good at popping those bubbles and giving the answers. So if you've got one of those little question marks hanging above your head, whatever it may be, the Holy Spirit is so good that he'll go boop and he'll give the answer to that as well. Now, in Luke chapter 22, I want to just pick up here, and this is something that's been stirring in me for the last couple of weeks that we've been talking about since uh, Easter, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. But again, this was talking right at the Last Supper, and Jesus is sharing with his disciples. He says, after the supper was over, he, Jesus, lifted up the cup again, and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant I make with you, and it will be poured out soon for all of you. Now, what does Jesus mean by saying a new covenant I'm making with you? A new covenant I am making with you. Another way you could say it is that there's a new deal that I'm establishing or that I'm bringing into this earth for you to be walking with God. Now, you know, I've heard lots of these things before, but it's crucial that you and I, we get so established in what this new dispensation, what this new covenant of grace has done for us so that no matter what comes our way, our response is from this position of the new covenant. It's crucial that we relate to God properly from this new deal that he provided for us. That no matter what comes my way, come hell or high water, no matter what comes, I am constantly responding to this God in the proper way. Amen? Amen. Now, (laughs) let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. And in fact, we actually see that the Father paid a tremendous price to establish this new way for you and I. Don't you think? That's what we celebrated all last week. Now, we talked a lot about last week, Jesus' sacrifice and what he came to do as a scapegoat for you and I. But it's also crucial now that not just that we got born again and maybe receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We go, hey, that's, that's exciting. That's wonderful. But now what? Now that you've come out of the kingdom of darkness and you've been brought into the kingdom of your dear son, what takes place is now we have got to learn how to function in this new dispensation called grace. I know we're really, really good at doing church. We know how to hip and holler. We know how to, woo, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We know how to praise the Lord. But do you know how to live? Again, it's not as how high you can jump. It's how when you land, can you walk in a straight line? So what's so crucial for us is that we actually learn how. Everybody say it with me. How to live in this dispensation. So it's not just a Sunday high and then all Monday through Saturday it's a low and I've just got to scrape by and okay, I get to church and just barely hanging on. Jesus paid too big of a price for your butt to be kicked Monday through Saturday and Sunday is victory day. 
it ought to be victory every moment you wake up. And that's not just hype or, yeah, 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 Jesus, church, church, Jesus, church. That's more than this. What it is, it's he came to give and establish life to you and I, but we have got to learn how to function in it. And religion has done a great job to confuse it. Religion has done a great job to put man in the middle of it, to make you do something. Religion sucks. So if you're visiting this morning and you're like, oh, I'll check out this religion. We ain't a religion. Religion blows. Okay. So in Hebrews chapter 8, again, we're just going to lay a quick foundation for what we're going to be going into in the months to come. But it says, Jesus' priestly work far surpasses what these other priests did. Now, I'm not going to go into detail of that. We touched on that a little bit last week. But the priests of old, they had to go every year, and they'd have to come up with this massive sacrifice. And that was just annually. But then there was other things that they had to regularly do for every feast. There was constantly new, you know, new animals to kill and blood to be spread. It was just a mess regularly. But Jesus came, and what he did far surpassed what they did of the Old Testament. Since he's working from a far, can you say it with me, better plan. Jesus is operating from where? A far better plan. So if the first plan, the old covenant, and the old covenant we can sum up in the law or in if you do, it's an if you message. If it had worked out, a second wouldn't have been needed. But we know that the first was found wanting because listen to what God said. Heads up. What is God saying? Heads up. And he's been speaking this all through the Old Testament. If you look and you dive in, you see God regularly saying to the people and children of Israel, heads up, something's coming. It's going to be different than what you're operating in. Heads up, the days are coming when I'm going to set up a new plan for dealing with Israel and Judah, I'll throw out the old plan I set up with their ancestors. When I led them by the hand out of Egypt, they didn't keep their part of the bargain, so I looked away and I let it go. Continuing on. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time... I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. They won't go to school to learn about me or buy a book called God and Five Easy Lessons. <laughs> Look at God says. This is, again, this is God speaking in the message paraphrase. They'll all get to know me. Sorry, who's that? They'll all... Get to know me. That's me. God is opening himself up to the world and say, you get to know me now. Whereas before in the Old Testament, it was only the king or the high priest that had access, not even to go into the Holy of Holies properly. They had to do it properly in order to even get in. Now he's saying they'll all get to know me firsthand. Say it with me, not secondhand. You don't have to hear from Moses and Moses will relay the message to us firsthand. Come on, y'all. Somebody yell that firsthand. There is nothing better than firsthand information. God's always had the desire and plan to get you firsthand information. Man, I love that. Who's going to get to know them all? The little and the big. So that means the same spirit of God that's in you and I right now is the same one that's operating in those children downstairs. It doesn't matter. They have to be old. They have to be of age. No, the same. I've seen children prophesy. Can it happen? Absolutely it can. 
the small and the great, they'll get to know me. Now notice why and how? By being kindly forgiven with the slate of their sins forever wiped clean. Now notice what this says. By coming up with a new plan, a new covenant between God and his people, God put the old plan on a shelf and there it stays gathering dust. Now, how stupid would it be for you and I to pick up this old covenant, this old way of operating and bring it back and start dusting it off and trying to operate by it? God's saying, I'm not working that way. I'm not operating that way. I pay too big of a price to go back to that old dead religion where you were the major factor if this covenant was going to work or not. He says it didn't work, so I have to put it back on the shelf. And this new covenant I'm making is not just between you and me. It's between me and Jesus. And you, by simply accepting him, you get in on that benefit. Hey, ho. Now, (laughs) so what is this new deal? What is this new way? The one that Jesus came to establish for us? What is it? Ephesians 1, again, I'm just laying all this down for you and I. Because sometimes it's easy to know some truth. But you know how many times the devil can actually use a half-truth and use it worse against you? We time for us believers, Christians, we got to get back to the Bible and let the Bible be the absolute reason what I believe, how I believe, why I believe what I believe. So we see Jesus paid an ultimate price. But what is this dispensation I'm living in? We know it to be called grace because we've talked about it for 18 months. But now here, just to give you some more scripture for it, this is the dispensation that we're in. He says, for it was always in his, talking about the father's perfect plan to adopt us as his beautiful children, nope, delightful children, through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan gives him great pleasure. Now I want you to see it's an unfolding plan. So you and I, you've experienced a measure of the love of God. Guess what? There's more. Well, I've heard about the love of God. You think you've dove into the very depths of what the Father's love is towards you? Are we kidding? We'll be doing eternity, just getting it opened up more and more. It's going to be unfolded. In two billion years from now, guess what? It'll still be unfolded. And we'll still be going... And then 30 billion years from now, guess what? And then 100 kajillion, bajillion, bazillion years from now will be what? Constantly amazed at the depth of the Father's love that he calls you and I his child. Verse 7, he says, since we are now joined to Christ. How many of you are joined to Christ? How did I get joined to Christ? By accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I became joined with him. Now, since I'm joined to him, I have been given. Can you say that with me? I have been given. Not one day going to be given. I have been given what? The treasures of redemption by his blood. So you and I are possessors of the treasure of what redemption provided for us. So what's required? I ought to know what redemption bought me. What is it? Is it that I just missed hell and I get to go to heaven? That is a great, wonderful part of it. But there's so much more. So much more. He goes on to say the total cancellation of sins, 
all because of the cascading riches of his grace. So what is the dispensation that God finished and he put on the shelf is the performance-based mentality where you have to earn something. You have to act a certain way in order for God to now bless you. In this new covenant of grace, God put that old one on the shelf. Remember, it's collecting dust now. This new one that he established, he can bless your socks off without your involvement. How many of you earned your salvation this morning that you were such a good person? You were so polite to the lady at the, at the till. You were just so nice to that waiter. You're just a really great person. So I earned my salvation this morning. None of us. So if we didn't earn our salvation, why on earth do you think you were going to earn anything good in this life? So I think what we have a lot of times in the church is we got hybrids. We got people that are still holding on to this old system trying to operate in grace. And the reason why you're not experiencing your inheritance is because you're kind of in both ways. You got two feet in both worlds. I'm dangling a little bit by the shelf, holding on to this old system. Meanwhile, I'm holding on to this new system. Yes, Jesus saved me. Yes, he did. I'm so thankful I'm not going to hell. But oh man, I got to really perform better for God to heal me. I got to do better for God to bless me. I just got to do more, Lord. I got to do more. I'm so sorry. You are dangling on both sides and don't expect to receive anything from the Lord in that attitude. It's not the Lord just, I'm so mad at you. No, it's because you are trying to put yourself in this place of self-righteousness going, I prayed that in. I prayed so hard and look what the Lord did. Are you kidding me? You joker, you think you're something else. You ain't nothing without God. Well, I earned real hard. Like I worked hard for my money. And where did you think you got feet and hands to do all that stuff? Who gave you that promotion? Who hooked you up with that favor with that boss? Who gave you all that? The Lord did. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So the moment that I start thinking that I earned anything, oh, you in trouble now. And you start dangling over in this other system. We got to learn how to take a clear cut from this system so we can fully engage in what God has done for us. Now, so what is the new deal or this new way? It's all about the cascading riches of his grace that he has lavished towards us. So this mindset now of what God has done My standing before him because of his grace must become my constant posture in life. No matter what happens, I have to keep hearing and hearing about the finished works of Jesus because I want no matter what comes my way that my response is, I am righteous in his sight. He finds no fault in me. I've got to learn that every time that, you know, shame or guilt tries to come up that I learn how to shut that up quick because that's not who I am according to this new covenant. Yes, that is my past. That's what I have screwed up in. Yeah, that I did make that mistake. But now I'm under grace and grace says this about me. And that's why Paul constantly pleaded with the church. He said, awake unto righteousness and sin no more. And in the church, again, our mindset is I got to stop sinning so that I can earn some stuff. Stop it. It's a mind shift. It's a constant mind shift. And this is what you see constantly throughout the Paul's epistles regularly is you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To what? To what Jesus finished for us. Now look at this in Colossians 3. This is in the mirror uh, paraphrase. But I love the way it brings it out. He says, see yourself. So again, this is a good way. How do you see you? Because it's great. God sees you without fault. But do you see yourself with fault? Do you see yourself as, man, I just keep messing. I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. How do you see you? Here's what I found is amazing, that even though God looks at you and he finds no fault, if I keep looking at me with fault and sin and stain, it's going to affect everything about me. 
my head's hung low. Let's lift our hands and praise God this morning. I wish I could, but I'm just, I'm no good. You just, if you could slap somebody, I would. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what Jesus has done for you? Whack. Don't you understand that it's not about your self-righteousness and who you are? It's all based on him. Wow. That's really what it is. Yes. And when that clicks in, you've moved from milk of the word to solid meat because your mind has been pierced with right standing revelation. And that's what we need as a body so that we can go and effectively change the city that we live in, the province that we live in. Oh God, just help us in this. Start to get a new mindset of who you are in him so that now he can start doing things through you because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. See yourselves co-raised with Christ. So when you wake up in the morning, how do you see you? I'm co-raised with him. I sit with him. Now he says, ponder with persuasion the consequences of your co-inclusion with him. So, you know, there's good consequences. Sometimes you hear that word consequence, like, oh, man, you know, do some bad. No, but because you, you connected to Jesus, you're guilty by association. <laughs> Whatever he is, I am. Now he says, you have to ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion in him. Then he says, relocate yourself mentally. Engage thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand. That's what he's expecting of you and I. You have to get it. We have to start seeing it because this is who you are. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Church, we are going to do amazing, profound things because of the anointing and the call of God that he has on all of us as a body. We are going to impact generations for Jesus. People that we thought were so far, people that you thought were, man, I don't know how they're going to get to God. Watch how God is going to reach this city in a miraculous, powerful way. How is he going to do that? Through us. That sounds pretty arrogant. No, it's all on him. All the pressure is on him. What's on you? I'm yielding. That's all that I'm doing. You have to be this. No, no, no. I have to yield. That's my only job. Now, we still okay? God did such a work through Christ on our behalf that actually the Bible, rather than it being a book of law or a book of rules, right? And anybody ever used to read that and just think this is a bunch of rules, this is a bunch of do's and don'ts, maybe something that you used to sleep in order to go to sleep with? Anybody ever do that before? Oh, I see one hand. I'm raising one hand. Okay. But now it needs to become a mirror. So rather than the Bible to a point where we're going, oh, it's just rules. This is what I can't do. It actually becomes a, ru- a mirror of who you really are. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I love this in the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian or anybody who is in Christ, he becomes a brand new person inside So I know we had about 10 or 11 that accepted Jesus Christ last week, Sunday. They got reborn. Did anything on the outside change? No. What about anything in their their mental? No. What took place was a brand new person on the inside came alive. That old 
He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And so now what do I need to start doing when this new life becomes? I have to now go to a mirror of some sort that can show me a mirror on the inside with these eyes that I can't see. How am I supposed to find out who I am when I can't even see it? I have to go to a spiritual book. And the only spiritual book that we have is the B-I-B-L-E. And when you read the Bible, it actually is a reflection of who you are now because you have Jesus living on the inside of you. He made you a brand new creation. The old sin nature is dead. Man, I think if we even caught the glimpse of that, it's, it's gone. Never to be resurrected again. Completely dead. It died with Jesus. So he took all the shame, all the sin, all the dark, and I got him brand new. It came alive with these brand new being on the inside. Now I have to let God introduce me to my new self. Because the devil will love to chirp and say, well, this is what you did. This is who you are. This is what you're like. I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did last year. You know how nasty you were to your parents. And he loves to chat because everything in this earth is a battle about your identity. Everything. Everything. He is after your identity. Because if he can get a hold of your identity, of this is who you are, you will stay stuck in a prison to your past. And God's trying to say, no, that old man is dead. Look who you are now. Oh, yeah, but I got to just, I got to do things in order. That's religion. Religion blows. That's religion keeps people far away from the church. If there wasn't religion, man, we, this building would be swarming with people. Why? Because people would be turned on to this real living God who didn't come to give you a religion. He came to give you a brand new start on the inside. Now I can have intimacy with my holy God. Come on now. Now. So as now we said, our primary focus, living now in this new way, this new covenant of connecting with God, it is crucial. This is the focus for you and I. What do I do with my time as a Christian? You are in renovation mode. Anybody ever done renovations in their house before? And once you start, it just don't stop, do it. It just keeps going on going. Thankfully, you get to an end. But when it comes to the renovation of your mind, you will never come to this place and you'll say, I am now complete. The renovation is done. That will only happen when Jesus comes back to get us. So when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that was a moment. A new birth took place. But now that you are now a Christian, you are now in this place where you are in renovation mode constantly. So don't just think, oh, well, you know, people on this platform, oh, this guy up here, he's got it all together. Well, here's the thing. I do. I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I am a wonderful work in progress that the grace of God is still teaching, molding, and shaping me into the image of Jesus. Yes. It's regularly happening. The renovation of my mind. There's some walls that I have in my mind that the Lord goes, we got to kick some of those things out. Why? Because it's hindering my growth to being just like Jesus. So that's why when you kind of go, oh man, like oh, just something on the inside doesn't seem right. Open the door, allow the spirit of God in to start showing you some stuff. He's not there to slap you and say, be better. He's there to show you this is who you are now. This is why that we don't smoke this anymore. This is why we're not sleeping around anymore. Because now you got somebody else in the bed with you when you, were, when you were just a sinner. It was just you and that individual. But now you got the Holy Ghost. And now after you woke up, you go, something's not right. Because you have somebody else in you right at the moment going, this isn't you anymore. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. And it's not that God's just trying to take away my fun. No, he is the capital of fun. How do you spell God? We used to tell our kids it's F-U-N. 
He knows how to live. He's, he's the life of the party. But what he's showing you and I is how to do life properly so that you don't die premature. <laughs> so what are we focusing on? We're focusing on how do we do this life? And it requires a renovating of our mind concerning every area of our life. How do I do relationships? The Bible has to teach me how to do relationships. How do I raise children? How do I handle money? What do I do physically with my health? What do I do with mental health? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you and I have got to start training ourselves because we are under grace to start learning how this new dispensation operates. We knew the law. You could probably tell me what the law would tell you. Be better, work harder, pray longer, worship on your knees four hours a day, then stand and face east and pray three hours a day, and you should be okay. We could understand maybe a religious standpoint. Well, have you tried this? Have you done this? <sighs> have you maybe just stopped and looked at what the finished works of Jesus has already accomplished for you? This is where the renovation takes place. You're no longer in the picture. You're only in the picture to go, oh, I believe that. I believe, I believe, I've taken that as my own. And every time the enemy tries to pop that up in your brain, you go, nope, I actually don't believe that. I believe this. Yes. Now it becomes a choice. Renovating now becomes a choice in what I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to see this from the children of Israel in Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> now this is why the Holy Spirit, I mean, if I just encourage you, read Hebrews 3. And I'm kind of picking it up here a little bit. But the Holy Spirit says, if only you would listen to his voice this day. Now, this isn't just a listen up. This is a cry. I mean, the, the actual Greek brings out this is, the, this is God's echo throughout generations, throughout the history. God, his voice has echoed through generation to generation. It's hitting the generation 2023. 20, only would you listen to his voice today. The same voice that pleaded with Israel when they crossed the Red Sea. Listen to me. I'm not trying to take away from you. I'm trying to show you how to do this life. This is his cry. Verse 8. Don't make him angry. The only thing that we see that makes God angry in the New Testament is a hard heart. Don't harden your heart like your ancestors did during the last days of their rebellion. When they were tested in the wilderness, there your fathers tested me and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still what? They doubted me. This ignited my anger with that generation, and I said about them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet. And they refused to learn my ways. So what ticked God off? They wander in their hearts. Just like they do with their feet. Now I want to just quickly stop here for a moment. I was just reading this and the Holy Ghost just said to me on the inside. I was, I was meditating on this. There was a heart condition, a spiritual heart condition that the Israelites had. And it was wandering. People kind of talk about natural you know, heart conditions. You know, I need a pacemaker for this. Well, man, I, I believe that the Spirit of God is trying to reveal to you and I, this is a danger. It's a spiritual heart condition that you and I could actually take control over and get it out of our life. And it has to do with a wandering heart. In James chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, a wandering heart, the Bible shows us, is, is an unstable man, therefore leaving you unable to receive from the Lord. Unstable heart 
is an unsta- or unable to receive. Unstable equals unable. Can you say that? Unstable equals unable. If I have this heart that is yes, no, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I got to do something in order to get this. As long as I'm in this current state, kind of being hybrid again, going towards the old thing that's collecting on the shelf, I got to bring my actions to it. You are this up and down Christian, and you're praying and believing God, God, I need you to come through on me. And he's going, I'm ready. I'm willing. I want to. But you're in this state between both. Whereas my effort is needed, I have to do something in order to make his promises come to pass in my life. He's saying, stop it. It's a disease. Because what it is, it's not just are you, you're not trusting fully in God. You're relying on you to make something happen. We're coming to this place, church, as we go further and further into this, every system that you and I have relied on is crashing hard. That's not not a fearful thing. That's reality. So what does it need to show? COVID proved to us where people were at. Am I trusting the Lord or am I going to trust the science? And science, do you even confuse on what that even is? I think it's something. I don't know if it's anything. It's crazy to lean on natural man for anything. I have to constantly learn to depend on the Lord. And we're learning to go there more and more. Now, wandering or an unbelieving heart will lead you astray. Actually, let me continue reading. Sorry, guys. Verse 11. God says, my heart was grieved over them, so I decreed they will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. So this is the warning to us. Say it to me. Now, this is our part. So he says, search your heart. Other translations say, watch your step. Search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or, and it says evil or, actually an unbelieving heart is an evil heart. Has an evil, unbelieving heart hiding within you. Why? Why is unbelief so dangerous and toxic? It leads you astray. What is astray? wandering and make you unresponsive to the living God during worship time I was just oh this is so boring this is so boring this is so lame this is so lame you know what that is it is a actually a spiritual heart condition what is it at some degree it's unbelief and unbelief I want to just read this to you unbelief is choosing to believe a lie about yourself and your salvation That's what unbelief is. Should I say that one more time? Unbelief. Unbelief. You don't have to say it. I'll just say it to you. But (laughs) you take this, put it in your pocket, and keep it there. Unbelief is choosing to believe a lie about yourself and your salvation. Unbelief exchanges the living God for a dead God of your imagination. And unbelief is living life dominated by senses. That's what it is. So... The Holy Spirit gives us a heads up. It don't want you to be led astray. And I want you to be responding when God tells you and when God's moving around your heart. Verse 13. So he says, this is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What are we encouraging on? Oh, you're just such a wonderful human being. And that's good. We do need that. We have encouragers in the bodies. You're just amazing. You're just wonderful. Actually, there's times that we need to say, 
Huh? Come on, don't be stubborn. What do you mean? No, don't get mad at that. Be encouraged by that. Because when you see this going, don't be stubborn or hard by sin's deceitfulness, it's because he doesn't want us to be led astray. He wants to stay us on course in the track that he's called us to do. Are we doing okay here, church? This is crucial. Rita's just mad at me up front here. Okay. (laughs) Verse 14. For we are mingled with the Messiah if we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until end. For again, the scriptures say, if only today, can you see the father's plead? If only today you would listen to his voice. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts as you did in the wilderness rebellion. The same people who were delivered from the bondage of their past, who heard the gospel of Jesus, And they were now brought out of Egypt. Egypt is a sign of the world. You were pulled out by Jesus. This obviously they're talking about. They're brought out by the hand of Moses. They were the ones who heard the good news. They heard the promises. They heard the inheritance. They heard about the blood of Jesus. They heard all that God is able to do. That God wants to do. That God has done. They heard it. They heard it. They heard it. And they still rebelled. Can you see how serious this is? Yes. What's the heart condition? I don't know if I can believe that. Yeah, I've heard those promises before, but I haven't seen it in my life. Oh, I know God says this, and I know his bias stripes, but, you know, but God, and, you know, the day that we're living in, but I haven't. It's an unbelieving, wandering heart. And that leaves you unresponsive to God, and it leaves you unstable in all your ways. I know this isn't one of those messages where you go hooping, hollering, and jumping, and going, yeah, come on, preach it, preach it. But one day, when this clicks, and you see, you go, oh, Lord, I'm drawing in. I'm coming close. This has saved me more than I can count, that, Lord, I'm just coming to you. I have my, my chair that I let the Lord work on me. It used to be white, but now it's brown because I bought a different chair. <laughs> Not for any other reason than children myself it just and I just allow the spirit of God on the inside of me to say Lord how where am I at how are things what are things looking like on the inside check my heart is there anything going on inside me Dr. Jesus could you do a work on the inside of me that there's nothing in my life that is telling me or getting me to wander off course getting me to lead astray where I'm now going back to this old dead religion where now my works are now required in order to receive from you help me point that out and there's been numerous times in my own chair but also my wife has been a huge help to me in those ways as well so i want to encourage you like open up people it's so crucial for your own walk all right right. yes and amen now verse 17 verse 17 they grieved god for 40 years by sitting in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert Not about you, but I don't want to just be one of those statistics that just drops dead. Not experiencing all that God has promised me and purchased for me. Wouldn't it suck to go to heaven, stand face to face before Jesus and go, oh, that's what you provided. I I didn't get any of that. Wouldn't that blow? I go, man, what am I doing down here? I would rather go, Lord, here's my heart. Here's all the cracks. Here's every door. And I just burst those doors open for him and say, come on in. Man, stuff that I've been dealing with, stuff that I've just, Lord, I need help in this area. Let him help you. I saw this meme. I really liked it. I don't know if it went around a bunch, but it was religion says, I messed up. I better not tell my dad. 
Grace says, I messed up. I need to go talk to my dad. If I love the parallel between those two, religion makes you run away from God, whereas grace makes you, Lord, I messed this. I need help. Show me. And the grace of God doesn't come in. Whack. The grace of God is, let me show you how to do this life now. That's not you anymore. That's not you. That's not you. That's you. This is who you are now. And he will always build you up to your identity. He will never talk down about you that, yeah, you should have been. No, he will always build you up and saying, hey, this is who you are now in me. Now stop doing that because that's not you. Now go do this. Yes, sir. And now out of this grace, I go, bring it on. I can do it now. Okay, verse 18 and 19. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest. Why? Because they disobeyed him. Hey, my brother. Hold on, man. I'm going to finish this up. Okay. Okay, I'll leave it here. All right, thank you. Verse 19. So it is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance. Why? Because they wrapped their hearts in what? In unbelief. Why could they not go into their inheritance? Unbelief. So this is alarming to me that the children of Israel... Missed their God-appointed inheritance because of unbelief. And I'm not, I'm not going to take it for time's sake, but if you go down in Hebrews chapter 4 and you just read out that all these plans, all these things that God has laid out for you and I has already been revealed and talked about before the foundation of the world. God's already purposed it and said, that's what you've called to do. That's what I've assigned for you to do. Here's all the blessings to do it. Here's all the resources to do it. I've called you and I'm well equipping you for the task and your body. I'll take care of that. Finance, I'll take care of that. Mental health, I'll take care of that. Children, I'll take care of that. He's taking care of the whole thing. But now for you and I to have an unbelieving heart, what happens is I actually don't step into all that he's called me to do. Because I'm choosing, oh, Lord, it's just too hard. I don't know, Lord. Like even taking on this new building. For me personally, that's a big job. I go, hmm, that's bigger than me. So what do I do? Oh, God, how am I going to do this? How am I? I haven't had one hour less of sleep, of worry, of anxiety. I just go, Lord, it's your deal. If you want it, you're going to make it happen. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to put pressure on me nor anybody else because you are the source. And I just rely on you. Isn't that a great place to be? Now, in closing, (laughs) the good news is that the word of God tells us that unbelief has a cure. What's the cure? Hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you're going, oh man, I'm just having struggles with this. Can I just share with you What would help is you go around those vines and you start finding out from the word of God what he has to say about that situation and now let that word become more dominant than what I thought before. Now, in closing, the wonderful news. So not only did God have a new plan, he initiated this new deal, this new plan through Jesus, but then now the Holy Spirit is the administrator of this new plan. So what we want to do is actually take some time in these coming weeks to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is here. 
He's the only part of the Godhead that actually is on this planet that's living inside of you. And he is here with a specific task. And I want you to see it in John 14, 26. This is his assignment. But he, now, here's the thing. When you read the Holy Spirit, he is your guide. Anybody ever heard that before? What is he your guide for? I know we would say life, and that's true. But even more deeper than that, he is our guide into this new dispensation called grace. Because what do you do when you've never gone to a place before and now you're, you're a visitor or you're you know, a tourist walking around? What do you need? You need a guide to show you all the ins and outs of this specific section that you're in. Correct? Well, now that we live in this dispensation called grace, don't just limit the Holy Spirit to, oh, Lord, I need problems. Holy Spirit, can you just help me? He's so much deeper than that. Him living on the inside of you is so profound, so amazing. In fact, Jesus said, I'm excited. I can't wait till he comes. I'm going to pray the Father that he comes. And when he comes, he says this, the Holy Spirit is about to become your close companion. This is huge. He now sent, sent by my Father in my name to represent me, to teach you all things. So what's the Holy Spirit's job? To teach me all things. Come on, y'all. All things meaning what? All things. What are you having troubles understanding? He's there to teach me all things. And not only that, but to remind you of everything that I have spoken to you. Thus, my word will continue to find voice in you. The Holy Spirit's job is as you're living in this new dispensation called grace is to show you where you're relying on you. And he wants to cut that umbilical cord of self-dependency. He wants you to claim an end to self-dependency and learn how to fully get on board and trusting fully in the finished works of Jesus. He's going to help you. There's no condemnation with the Spirit of God. There's no guilt trips with the Spirit of God. There's no shaming going, you should know more. You are this old and you don't know that yet. That is all the voice of the enemy. All of it. Oh, you should be, you should be further along than you are. Anybody ever heard that before? So no, but come on, lift your hand up for a moment. I think this is an opportunity for healing this morning. Look at the hand. Just to keep your hands up for a sec. Can you just take a quick glance at people around you? The same devil is talking the same way to these individuals. So can you see, it's not just for you. The devil loves to throw that around. So what do I do? Oh no, I'm right where I need to be. I'm at the right place at the right time. And Lord, you are teaching me at my pace. I receive your help. That's what I do. You should be further along you are. Oh, I just go, ah, thanks for the encouragement, devil. But actually, I'm right where I'm at. And I'm going to just thank God that this is right where I'm at. And he meets me where I'm at, not where I pretend to be. So take a deep breath. Even after hearing today, you go, oh, God, I should, I should do no more. No, no, no. This isn't about you doing more. This is a warning or a heads up going, make sure we don't allow this unbelief or this Oh, man, I just, I don't know if I could ever see that happen in my life. Who said? I've been praying for so long for my kids. I've been believing God for healing. I've been just standing and praying for finances to hell. Lord, I've just been praying for my marriage, and it just keeps sucking. I just don't quite get it. Who said it's over? Who told you? Who told you that the Lord's not, he's not working actively on your behalf? So what it is, is now we have to learn to adjust our mindset to what grace has already done. We may be praying aimlessly because we're praying. There's two things that God will never answer. Something that he's already done. 
So if I'm praying, oh God, be with me, be with me, be with me. He already said, what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you even to the ends of the earth. He already said it. So you praying God be with me is actually a waste of time. What do you do? Lord, I thank you that you're with me as I go in this right now. Do you see, but hold on. But do you see the change in that? Christianity has been so much, oh God, can you please, can you please, can you please, can you please? And God's going, I already did, I already did, I already did, I already did. What do you want me to do? I've already done it. So this is where Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding have to be enlightened. Church, because we're stuck praying these prayers. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And God's going, I did. So you have to, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding to your word. And then secondly, another thing that he'll never answer, whatever he asks me to do. God will never do my part. God will always come through on his end. But I have to do my part of it. Oh God, I'm just asking for peace. I'm just asking for peace. I'm just asking for peace. And then you're scrolling and watching ABC, CBC, CNN, fuck. And that's all that you're scrolling through. He can't go. He would say, turn that off. Why? Because it's robbing my peace. It's stealing away. Shut that stuff off. Go sit in your brown chair and listen to me. Yes, sir. So off I would turn that right off and off. <laughs> and now just allow him to start ministering to you. Yes. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm finished. You received something today.